Hello and welcome to the King Hero IndyCar podcast with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Doing well, Justin. How about yourself? Struggling to maintain energy levels, Kirby. That's too bad because you got two more hours to go than I do. <laughs> yeah, well, I made the mistake of tuning into that NASCAR race at Coda. Push your sleep. I, I'm not. I don't think I'm the only one either, by the way, because half the announcers sound like they're half in the bag <laughs> as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, you're they, right. They, they're, uh, and you know, well, you know, that's kind of interesting because he's got to do this, and there's nothing there. Those, those cars on that track are just awful. I do think like this weekend's a classic example of a missed opportunity for IndyCar, right? Because there's nothing on racing. That's the only reason. You and some, you and me would even consider tuning into that race, right? Um, well, it's, it's a it's a road course race, which in the old days anyway used to be more interesting to watch in NASCAR than an oval, and they had some road course ringers in there that caught my attention. But right, I mean, you wanted to see how Connor Daly did. You want to see how, uh, at least for me, I want to see how AG Almerdinger did, and uh, I wanted to see how Kimmy, you know, showed up and so forth. Kimmy, and so Jensen Button, uh, Jordan Taylor, Jimmy Johnson, IndyCar ringer. So, yeah. yeah, out in the first lap, from what I gather. <laughs> right. They even dragged old Gunter up there, Gunter Steiner. I couldn't you understand know. a word he said either. But um. <laughs> <laughs> well, whether you could or not, it didn't matter. It didn't help. Well, I was I was a little bit surprised to see all that metal in the stands too. A lot yeah, of empty spaces. Clearly not a packed house. Um, but again, getting back to IndyCar for a second. Here's a great weekend. No F1. You know, a crappy race on NASCAR. You know, they could be somewhere. And should be somewhere. Well, you know, Justin, I heard on another podcast where somebody said, the fans just don't understand. It's a lot harder than you think it is to schedule a race and pull it off. So I'm sure go. if you are IndyCar, that is true. <laughs> Curb, there'll be plenty of time for cynicism uh, throughout this podcast, I'm afraid. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I've gone to that well too early. In the show. <laughs> but but uh, where to start? Where to start? Where to start? Where to start? I'm going to start... Um, not necessarily IndyCar per se, but related. And that is the curious case of the Meyer Shank Racing group being caught cheating at the Daytona 24. I mean, there's a lot to talk about there, um, and there's a few points I want to make. But I'm going to turn it over to you, Curb. What, uh, what caught your eye about that, or do you just think non-event? Disappointing from... A team and a and a team owner that you know you thought of as one of the good guys that kind of pulled himself up by his bootstraps and and uh, and is getting to that point in IndyCar and and it just puts a little cloud over his whole operation and makes you wonder if it's as lily white as you thought it was right I mean it's that's the the worst part for me I think you know it's hard to believe that one guy pulled off that whole operation and. He's a guy that's been kicked off the team and kicked out of IMSA and so on and so forth. The other thought I had is Shank had pulled himself up by impressing and endearing himself to Honda. And Honda's the one that turned him in. And so you got to wonder what happens when their contracts come up. I actually have found a, a couple of things very, very interesting about this. Okay. Um, one of, I mean, one was that Honda was the one who turned in their own team. I mean, that, that was fairly extraordinary to me. I agree with you that there's no way on this earth 
that that one guy was a lone wolf acting on lone wolf and nobody else knew about it. That's not possible. Right. And I think a great many people on the team knew about it, including the drivers, I would suggest, because they would want to know what their pressures were as well. Right. So I, I, that's that's one aspect of it. I know I've told you a hundred times, Curb, and I'll tell the audience here. I had a good friend. He was a, a national sprint car champion in Australia, multi, multiple championship. I think he won like 11 times. OK. And he told me one time that, you know, uh, the, the you know, the best the best racer was the best cheater. Um, I think cheating and racing has been the game since almost day one. Uh, was the game back in the day and continues to be the game today. I, I've always believed that, and I continue to believe that. Now, the extent of the cheating, how it's done, all these kind of things, you know, that all changes and so forth. But at the end of the day, I, I thoroughly believe that in every series, and I mean everyone, um, there's some level of cheating going on. I, I'm not going to be shocked and dismayed by cheating. However, clearly Honda doesn't have a lot of uh, tolerance for it. I, I don't know if you agree with this, Kerb, but there's kind of crickets from everybody else in the paddock about it, right? You didn't hear too many people saying, oh, they should have the you know wind stripped from them and we should be the winner. Or, you know, that's just disgusting. Why we, They should be kicked out of here. You didn't hear any of that, right? At least I didn't see any of that. Right. And that's curious to me. And I, I thought to myself the other day, well, why why is that? And I, I came to the conclusion of a couple of couple of things. One is, you know, so many of these teams have ties to Honda, you know, either through other series or, you know, uh, or you know, name it. I mean, almost every other competitor like in that class has some tie to Honda elsewhere, right? And there could be a lot of, you know, look, they don't. Even though Honda was the one turning in, they just don't want to pile on there. Um, because, you know, they've got a relationship with Honda that they need to be concerned about. The other thought I had, and it was actually put to a more firm setting in my mind, was when I was on vacation last week and reading the book you sent me, Curb, the book mm-hmm. by Mark Donahue. Right. Which – I, I, this one comes to mind. There are several examples where, you know, the book's called The Unfair Advantage by Mark Donahue, right? But he wrote it before he died. The unfair advantage in several uh, instances that he points out sounds very similar to cheating <laughs> in, some of these, in some of the instances, I got to tell you. All right. So as an example in the book, he said um, they had a car where parts were acid dipped. And I assume what acid dip means is like you got a piece of sheet metal. It's a little bit thick. You want to make it thinner so it's lighter. So you put it in a vat of acid to kind of take a few mills off. All right. Not in line with the books. Shouldn't be doing that with acid dipping parts. But they were doing it, right? And they had one car that was particularly had quite a few acid dip parts and they were worried it wouldn't pass spec. So what they did is they had two cars they put the one car through the, the the heavier non-acid dip car through with you know number six or whatever it was. Then they got that to pass. Then they immediately went back and changed the numbers from their acid dip car back to the number six car and the number six to the acid dip car, and they ran the same car through the spec again 
under the auspices of being another number. Right. Okay. If you follow that, right? So fairly, yeah. um, clearly intentional. Hundred percent clearly intentional. And guess who the owner of that team was at the time? Well, I'm guessing it was young Roger Penske. Young Roger Penske. So the other thought I had is all those guys are in glass houses and they're not throwing any stones. You know, there's cheating in the sense that you find gray areas and you try to exploit them. Um, And if you get caught and they decide you broke the rules, it's one kind of cheating. Um, When you take data and intentionally manipulate it before you hand it over to the to the governing body, that's that's pretty blatant. And so um, there's more than one kind of cheating, I guess I would say. You know, Wayne Taylor's the only one that really has a beef. I mean, nobody else was going to touch either Acura, whether that translates to complaining the way you're talking about and jumping up and down and wanting their their uh, share of the win is another thing. But uh, I'm sure there's plenty of people feeling better about themselves, knowing that they got beat by cheating rather than beating guys got beaten on the track. So handling. Sure. Um, I guess to sum up, I think just cheating's part of racing. And uh, I agree this was. A very blatant example, but even in F1 where, you know, they have you know a lot of area to maneuver in and kind of come up with the quote unquote unfair advantage in, in it, um, they still cheat. You know, Ferrari got caught a few years ago with their engine. So this one yeah. just seemed particularly an artful, I guess I would say. Well, you know, IMSA didn't catch it. <laughs> so that's the thing. <laughs> that's a great point. But uh, uh, what, I, what, what was it? USAC didn't, didn't catch, uh, you know. Uh, AJ bolting down his pop-off valve either. <laughs> they, probably, they probably weren't. They probably didn't bother to look at AJ. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, hey AJ, I know you got the right. I, I know you don't run anything bad. You wouldn't do that. Did it make you think at all about Shanks' 500 win? What do you mean? If you assume that it was an organizational effort, not a lone wolf, then have they cheated to get to where they are? Have they cheated to win other big races? It makes you it makes you question, doesn't it? I well, of course, I I don't even question it. I mean, I I drew that conclusion immediately. Yeah, of course, they're cheating in everything they participate in. Yeah, I mean that's the the shame of it, and they've earned it, I guess. But it's still the shame of it. Yeah. When Rossi was talking about that about this cheating thing, and he, he jokingly said, "Well, I guess Helio's only won two five hundreds." Anyway. Well, I, I'd be inclined to agree with that statement. Um, anyways, Kurt, moving on. TV ratings at St. Pete uh, down. A little disappointing. I, I said when they came out, I said, give them 24 hours and watch for the spin. And we got it. I was disappointed. You? Yeah, I was disappointed. I mean, it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was down a huge amount. I mean, it's down a huge amount if you believe IndyCar every time they get 10 extra, you know, 10 extra viewers from one year to the next and they claim they had a big increase. So I guess it's, you got to take the, the bad with the good and say you got a bad, a bad drop this year, but that's certainly not a growth. Yeah, I hear you, but I got to say you were kind of hoping and certainly I was expecting that, you know, maybe IndyCar had a little bit of momentum, uh, at least on that front going into this year. And at least for the first race, it doesn't indicate that. Their growth is extremely incremental. Let's just put it that way. The yeah. last couple of years, at least, so you know, if they go backwards on TV ratings, that will be one of the one of the most significant uh, things uh, for the series this year. I mean, they have to 
it would be very bad for them into going into the last year of their contract to have TV ratings going the wrong way. Well, and I would say especially the 500, right? I mean, if you uh, sign up to broadcast the IndyCar series, you're 75 percent of the reason is for the Indy 500. And if if it declines again, then um, I would think that's an ominous sign. Instead of Kerba, I sent you something the other day where Coda was actively promoting its race in some kind of national poll as the best race in North America. I think the Indy 500 was in second place, Dakota, at the time. But the, the interesting thing about that to me was it came from Coda itself, you know, sending me an email just saying, hey, vote for Coda as, you know, the F1 race being the best race. You know, and again, uh, no, no, no email from IndyCar of similar, like vote for the Indy 500. And to me, it just speaks to, I mean, I still don't think they have a marketing director. But they've been, they've been investing in social media department and hiring people for social media. And this would be right up their alley, wouldn't it? Uh, exactly. But, you know, supposedly they're doing all this. I mean, again, there's no indication now we're one race into the season that anything has changed or gotten better. What say you? Well, they've got fancy new commercials for each of the first six races. So uh, don't don't forget to give them credit for that. Beyond that, no, I haven't seen it yet. And I think the results are going to be published in USA Today or something, aren't they? So it's not like yeah. it's going to be it's not like it's going to be some obscure re- poll results somewhere. You know, so it's just disappointing that they're not out there fighting back. And it just it's frustrating they don't seem to be fighting back on any of it. So and it's it's free. This is free stuff, Curb. You just send right. an email to your list. It's and, free and engage, stuff. And engage it doesn't your cost people. You anything. Yeah. Engage your people. Get a little passion going. A little enthusiasm going. Yeah. Yeah, it, it costs you nothing. Just like, uh, you know, we've lamented how poorly run the fantasy racing series and all that stuff is. It's It costs you nothing, and they're still not doing it. Right, and, you know, again, they're at war, and they just don't know it. <laughs> they don't seem to realize it, you know what I mean? It, it feels that way. Uh, hopefully it's not true, but, um, you know, we, we commented, uh, you know, as they signed up Las Vegas, and they started doing all these things, and, they may not be coming for IndyCar's drivers or venues, but they're coming for IndyCar sponsors and they're coming for IndyCar's attention, you know, the attention that IndyCar gets from people. Just this past week, where Salesforce is are they sponsoring a team or an event or a race, I forget which. I think they're sponsoring a team. And Salesforce is a worldwide company. Their second largest office is here in Indianapolis. And they're going and taking their marketing and advertising dollars to for, Formula One. You know, if they don't start fighting back, they're just going to lose all the tools they need to to run a successful series and so adding to the 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 uh, the the bad news of the of the day i guess is um it was announced that the much awaited uh debut of the new indycar racing game console based racing game is uh not going to be out on time and certainly not in 2023 and that the company producing it uh, appears to be in uh, dire financial straits. And they booted iRacing off at the end of this year in deference to this company, I assume, and their contract with them. How much How much more are we to, to just write off as, well, that just kind of happened? You know, there's at least one thing a month that happens in IndyCar. Just embarrass them. This is just the latest one. It is an embarrassment. I can only hope that. They've got uh, they hire some good lawyers to go sort this out for them and at least get them out of this exclusivity 
situation that they found themselves in, uh, get back involved with iRacing. If this company can somehow survive the year financially and, and produce a race for them in 2024, great. And iRacing uh, now, I think, has some console games, console-based games that they've come out with through some division they bought or whatever. So at the end of the day, they can do it. They could probably do the whole thing. They probably have, you know, half the stuff written because they were already doing it before. Probably be easy, you know, relatively easy for them to do more than anybody else. Um, they have some experience with it. They already have a customer base that's uh, loyal to it. I mean, as far as, like, that other company is concerned, they've got no money. Sue them. Right. They don't no, have any I mean, money to fight yeah. that. No, I mean, it'd be pretty easy to get out of the contract, I think, just to. Yeah, just uh, sue them. Know, sue sue and, them to death. They can't they don't have to fight back. Right. Exactly. And by any by all accounts, they're all, you know, their games are crap anyways. I can't think of a more um, name brand video racing than iRacing at this point in time. So just partner up with them and do the best you can. Is that a Penske Entertainment deal, Curb? IndyCar gave Motorsport Games the exclusive license in 2021, so it's certainly under RP's watch one way or the other. Yeah, I don't even know what to say. Didn't really mean for this episode to turn <laughs> into this just this bash, but I mean, what do you do? Yeah, it's frustrating. Curb, uh, let's talk about the one positive thing that I think I saw. Hope you didn't dream it. Okay. Yeah, I hope I didn't dream it. And that is IndyCar took a contingent down to Argentina. Following our advice that uh, they need some races on the side of the world in these relative time zones in some of these uh, grade B markets that Formula One's not going to go to. And at least you can say uh, somebody was down there looking. Obviously, way too early to say anything will come of it. But I think those are the kind of races they need to be racing this weekend in Argentina, for example. Mm-hmm. Um Mexico and Argentina and Canada, I mean, they got to be hitting these markets where there are fans. They probably can, you know, muster up the money and just get out there and do it and raise some interest in the series. So, I mean, they did send a bunch of people down there, including, uh, you know, the the maestro of the Nashville uh, road course, uh, Tony Kotman. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't, uh, yeah, it wasn't, they didn't just send anybody. They sent Mark Miles and Tony Kotman and a couple other High-level IndyCar guys. You know, at the moment, it feels like one of the familiar old teases, but hopefully it turns into something that makes too much sense to everybody except for IndyCar, I think, to go pursue these kind of events, uh, particularly in this time of year when they have trouble finding places to go in America. There's a there's a ready-made audience down there. There's a ready-made, not only for the race itself, but for IndyCar's TV. IndyCar used to get a number of sponsors from, you know, places like Brazil and, and other spots in South America when... Um, they had good TV deals down there. There was cart was strong, and uh, even even into the days when cart wasn't strong, they still had lots of good sponsors from down there. So I think they definitely ought to do it. Forget Europe, forget Asia, forget Australia. Just go from South America to North America. I'd like to see them at those other places too, but I agree for the time being. Just you know, give us a throw us a few bones and get to those places. It's going to have to get RP's blessing, and uh, I'll say it, Curve. I'm starting to lose faith in the judgment of. Uh, of that organization, an article that was written through the uh, this week or last week, I should say, that kind of summed up where IndyCar is at at the moment uh, was written by none other than they. Good teasing headline about uh, uh, the upcoming Texas race and using oh, Pato to to increase the attendance. 
I mistakenly assumed that this would be an article about, you know, how awards pound on the pavement, you know, trying to stir up the the Mexican nationals interest. Turns out it's more about him having a, you know, like a Pato Award suite package of which, you know, 150 people have bought tickets. 150 more than they had last year, right? Well, I was going to say. Now, (laughs) admittedly, 150 people will probably double last year's attendance at the race. (laughs) Maybe in a a la IndyCar uh, ratings, TV ratings spin, uh, this is the way they'll say we doubled our attendance. I left me just with, again, just with a feeling of sadness. It's like, Wow, that is uh, 150 people buying tickets is worthy of an article. Give him credit for trying. Maybe you didn't read to the end of the article because I pulled it up as you were talking about it and scanned down quickly. He did. Also did a ticket giveaway through his website for anybody that bought any merchandise. He says if somebody bought a sticker, a hat, a die cast, a mini helmet, if you bought something, you got a grandstand ticket. He's given away 600 tickets for the grandstands at Texas. For people who have been buying stuff off his website. So, like, there you're up to 750. Give him a little more credit than 150. At least he's trying, and hopefully <laughs> he'll keep. <laughs> he's a driver. He's not a promoter. He's not a serial. No, team, I, that's, so. that's, what, that's what I'm saying. The whole thing is just sad. It's sad an article was written about it. It's sad that he has to do it. And it's sad that, uh, that we even are talking about this. By the way, the only ratings that seem to be going up at IndyCar is our podcast. We had a barn burner last time. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. So if you like to hear bitching about IndyCar, keep keep listening because <laughs> I think there's more coming. There's more coming. Turn into a profit um, center. All right. Yeah. And, you know, we say it every time, but uh, – and the racing's great. It is sad. But these are – at least these are uh, examples that hopefully somebody at IndyCar is paying attention to, right? I mean, it's – I mean, he makes it sound like he personally has worked hard with – Texas Motor Speedway to, to arrange this uh, promotion. Well, they don't, they don't a, even have, yeah, they got to hire somebody to be in the position to pay attention to it. There's no okay. marketing director at this point. It hasn't been for months. And you sit there and you, 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 you watch 10 minutes of that NASCAR race, which is like watching paint dry. And it's, you, you just start losing your mind as I do every time we do this podcast. <laughs> Speaking of the racing being good curb, the other thing I haven't seen any commentary on, maybe you have, is like, what are we to expect from Texas this year? I know the PJ1 is no longer for either NASCAR or IndyCar. So is it gone? Is it something that stays there, you know, like has a radioactive half-life of, you know, 20,000 years? What do we got coming up here? Or First what? of all, the PJ1 is not being used, but they replaced it with something else, didn't they, last year? I mean, there's something being used, it's just not PJ1. Um, but it did not seem to have the same effect that PJ1 had on IndyCar. So that was a positive. Number two, they're racing earlier in the year than they used to. And so hopefully that's a positive. Uh, they're racing in the daytime. So it's a bit of a wild card. You know, it still could be a hot day in Texas if they got a bad break on weather. Number three, they have announced they're going to run all the cars in a special practice where they are all expected to practice in the second lane so if you get all those things to work in your favor hopefully it should be as good or better than last year shouldn't it should be uh, again you know we're, we're stuck with this dilemma of why the hell are they having the race during the day if cool if cool weather is uh part of the the answer to getting better racing why don't they move that to two weeks after st petersburg look one thing's for sure it's always going to be cooler at night that's for sure for for both the racetrack and the fans. 
they're in the central time zone, I think. So, um, yeah, it might be nine o'clock or later before you went on TV on the East coast. So that's a, a challenge to, to racing at night there, but, uh, but still, it's still gonna be a better show at night. There's no way around it. Yes, but no. So curb, um, I guess that gets us to the point where uh, we need to do picks for the upcoming race. Well, I had a couple of questions for you. Okay. Um, <laughs> Linus Lundquist is it's been announced by Ray Hallerman Lanigan that he'll get some he'll get a test, I think, next the day after the Texas race mm-hmm. at Texas Motor Speedway. And Kirby, um, Kirby's mind's turning. And, uh, Finally he'll be vanquished of his yeah, Ray Hall, Ray Hall expresses his interest in fielding an entry for Lundquist at unspecified IndyCar rounds later in the year. Now, is your money on that being a fourth RLL car, or is your money on that being in one of the existing cars? <laughs> I knew that would catch your interest, Kerb. You're, you're, I still haven't figured out your, your but un, you know, undeniable hatred for Jack Harvey, but whatever it is um, – you seem to jump all over any possibility of him being uh, vanquished from the series. And um, I, don't, I don't hate him at all, but I think I'd be hearing footsteps if I were him right now. Yeah, I think you do. Um, but look, I think that's exactly what that is. I think that's footsteps. I think, uh, hey, Jack, uh, just in case you didn't think you were serious about plan B, there's plan B. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, he's certainly under the gun. I don't think he has any he doesn't have any notion that. He's not under the gun. Uh, he had a bad first race, but that really wasn't his fault. He's going to have to perform, and I think he's going to have to perform early in the year, or he will lose his seat mid, mid-season. I'd, that seems to be almost a, a fait accompli if he doesn't. It's not often a, a, an established team just throws out extra cars for the heck of it. Um, so uh, I always thought, and, and I know you and I disagreed on this, but I always thought Jack Harvey had some talent. And you look at these sounds coming out of, you know, Graham Ray Hall and, and the Ray Hall team in, in general, and you get the impression that there's some faith being lost there for sure. Well, I mean, look, he certainly seemed to have talent when he was running for Shank. Um, and there were times when it seemed like the team let him down in terms of strategy calls and that type of thing. And apparently that led to him you know, jumping at an offer from Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing. And in particular, he seemed to qualify well for, for Shank, right? And I think that's why Ray Hall was attracted to him, because Ray Hall has not historically qualified well. But last year, it was such an abject disaster. You know, even in the second half of the season, when Lungard and, and Ray Hall seemed to improve, you didn't see that from Harvey's car. And so I don't necessarily hate him, but I just think he's on a really hot seat. And seeing this test set up for Lundquist uh, just turned the heat up a little more, I think. Yeah, like I said, I thought he was pretty good driver. But, you know, for all I know, he was on some Meyer Shank hotted up car well, illegally. That could be, <laughs> that could be yeah. too. And, uh, you know, maybe he didn't have any talent. He just had a, a Shank prepared car. There you um, go. Hard to say. They must not be cheating on Helio's car this year. but <laughs> <laughs> Or not enough. Right. Um, Curb, have you watched, uh, speaking of old people, have you watched uh, Facing Nolan? I have not. The, docu- the documentary? No, I haven't. I caught an earlier flight back from my trip 
But the downside of that was that I had to move from first class back to back of the plane, middle seat coach. Ouch. Ouch is correct. I know there's people listening to this going, what a, what a, (laughs) you know, (laughs) insert your derogatory uh, comment. But I'm telling you, Curb, there was no room there. There was none. I couldn't, I couldn't move. I, cu- I couldn't get between my legs to get my computer to start working. And even if I could, I, by the time I put it on the table, I couldn't really get the screen fully out to see. I couldn't type. I couldn't do anything. Right. Um, sure. There was just none. And so I was forced to watch, you know, the television in the back of the seat. And uh, very unusually for me, I picked a baseball documentary to watch. Wow. Uh, I didn't know, you know, I knew the guy was a great pitcher and all that, but I really didn't know the details of it and uh, pretty amazing stuff, frankly. Uh, if it impressed you, I might have to watch it because you're not a baseball guy. So You would love that show. You would love everything about it. There isn't one thing about that show that you would not love. No. What, uh, which service is it on? I have no idea. It was, okay. you know, if you're flying Delta, you, you can watch it on their <laughs> screen this month. All right. Um, well, you know what? The, the last time I flew, what I enjoyed, surprisingly was a Ringo Starr concert. They had Ringo Starr and his friends or something like that. And uh, it was just a concert at the Hollywood Bowl, I think. It was awesome. Really? Curb picks. 13 to go curb on this NASCAR race. Still? Yeah. Are you kidding? Uh, Reddick's in the lead. Chastain's in second. Suarez is in fourth. Sorry, Chastain. Suarez in fourth. Bowman's in fifth. Dylan's sixth. Bell's in seventh, McDowell's in eighth, Almondinger's in ninth, Logano in tenth. I'm sure they'll create an opportunity for drama, but right now it doesn't look too dramatic. No, it doesn't. Okay. Um, picks. Um, I'm going to be true to my uh, preseason prediction that Nat, that uh, Joseph Nascar was going to rule the world, and I'll pick New, New Garden. Okay. All right. Uh, Curb, uh, kind of a boring pick, frankly, but um, seems to show up a lot in the top five in all uh, of these races, at least the last few years. So I'm going to have to go Scott Dixon. All right. Hard to go wrong, but I thank you for leaving me, Alex Palau, my other predicted world conqueror this year. Okay. Uh, I'm shocked that you left me, Scotty M, who I will now take. He's got a chance to prove me wrong, so um, can't fault you there. Uh, I'm going to give Pato a word a shot. Good choice. Um, that one may be a good one for the odds, uh, for batting. Yeah. If he gets a bit longer in the odds, he, he would not be a bad way to go. So I'm going to I'm gonna finish off the six. We're going to do it pretty quick here, Curb. I'm going to say Will Power. Um, just Penske seems to have this track down. Hard to go wrong with any of those six picks. Uh, we certainly didn't go out on a limb too far, but um, but I think that's probably your – those guys should all have a say in what happens, I think. Yeah. So, Curb, uh, off of the, those six picks, uh, outside of those six picks, um, you seen any names there kind of sticking out that, you know, maybe, 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 if the odds are right kind of thing? Is this a gambling question? Yes. Okay. Um, Put another way. 
anybody else outside of the top six you think's a candidate to win the race? The poor guy that we always overlook would be Marcus championship, your championship leader right now, driving the yep. same car as Dixon and Palau are. So if we think they're good, he should be good. I think um, he would be an excellent, excellent long on bets uh, pick. Right. Um, agreed. Um, Rosenquist, again, the same as same team as Pato Award. Rosenquist has shown speed here before. Um, and again, you got Rossi. Again, same team. Quality equipment. Um, so those are all probably good longer odds. Go back to Ganassi and throw in Takuma Sato. Got a track that he does well on. Not throwing him in. Well, I'll um, bet you. I'll bet you. There's long odds on that one. If you could win that one, you would profit handsomely. I'm sure. So if you I want a long, gonna... if you want to, it's probably your best long odds bet. Let's put it that way. Yeah, especially if Shank repa- uh, prepares his car. Um, what about Colton Herta? His name didn't make it anywhere in our conversation. Well, that's true. I mean, it, you, it, it could be <laughs> one of those days. It, it could be one of those days where he sets the world on fire. It could be one of those days where he's in the middle of the pack and is cursing at his dad. Until his team shows more consistency, he's not going to. You know, if it was a street course race, um, you got to count him in. But uh, on these other types of courses, I, I'm not going to assume he's going to be there until they show more consistency as a team. Yeah. The other guy, um, maybe, maybe throw an ad in there for him, uh, Graham Ray Hall. Yeah, you can if you want to. Sure. <laughs> I mean, he's been competitive at that track. He nearly won a, uh, one of those years and until he drove it off, drove it into the wall. Yeah, aside from that, he had a great day. You're right. So yeah, um, he's a good one to show. I know. I don't know about the win. Hi, Curb. Uh, I've got a game of hockey to play, so I will bid you adieu and bid everybody adieu. Uh, let's see. Do we have a Twitter account still? At Hero IndyCar. That's at H I R O IndyCar. All right. Well, uh, great news, Curb. There's still 10 laps to go of the NASCAR race <laughs> if you want to watch it. And Kimi is in fourth. Really? Yeah. Let's see, that might so, be worth watching. There's a reason to watch. All right. Race next Sunday afternoon on uh, NBC. And uh, we look forward to recapping it for you uh, following the race. And now we get into the stretch of the season where we don't have to wait a month between races. So the pace will pick up and... And hopefully we'll have less time to dwell on all the negatives in IndyCar. Yeah. You obviously caught me at a bad moment this afternoon. (laughs) We'll try to avoid that in the future. All right, everybody. Enjoy uh, Texas and uh, have a great week. Goodbye.